You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Web Radio. Well, we're liking part of that conversation there. Jim Weber and Steve Ronaldo. Steve's up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you know if he's there, it's got to be doing something with the AACA. And uh, Mr. Weber is doing what he's been trained to do, and that's dog sit. So he's in New York uh, uh, sitting with a couple of dogs. But we've got our very infamous and great... uh, I don't want to say fill in. He could be the he could be the show himself. Uh, James Dunst from Bell Performance. He's uh, he is our go-to person. And before we get started, one I want to do. A, this is sort of strange, and we'll date the show, which I tell all my host hosts don't date the show. But uh, the country has lost a statesman in George H. W. Bush, and uh, our not that they're listening to the show, but. Uh, Certainly, uh, our prayers and thoughts are with the family and with the country. We've lost something that uh, I don't know that there's that much of left anymore. The a statesman that was uh, certainly, uh, uh, in my estimation, a hero in World War II. Um, anybody that can land, a, land an airplane on a postage stamp is a hero, and uh, he did it many times, and um uh, was shot down and uh, was also our 41st president and uh, our our hats are off and our and we stand at attention when we mention George Bush George H.W. Bush from my part of the country as a matter of fact Midland Texas so uh, just a little south of where I grew up and he he and his family I I have more respect for he and Barbara Bush than any two people in the world. I think they were just, you know, they were the cracker and the peanut butter, and uh, they went together every place, and uh, they were such a beautiful couple. And, you know, you could just, there was so much love between those two people. It was just absolutely incredible. So our our best to the family and the nation has lost a statesman. So with that being said, I'll get off of that soapbox, James, but I want to get on another one that you and I were talking about uh, right before we went on the air, and uh, that is that it's pouring down rain in Atlanta right now, and um, I I come in the same way. In fact, my car could probably drive me me here by by itself every day, every morning, and uh, I hate it when it's raining. Only because the streets in Georgia are so poorly marked, and you get the rain, you get the lights reflecting off the streets, and all you get is a black topping, and the white markings are very hard. Uh, you know, uh, seeing the lanes are very difficult, and I don't think I'm the only one in the world that has that kind of a problem. It's uh, it's got to be universal. It's got to be. Uh, there's got to be something that the government could do about marking the streets better. Well, I've experienced exactly the same thing. It's been one of my pet peeves. We have a little advantage. I live north of Orlando. And in Florida, they use a lot of reflectors that are actually at the dividing line on the road. Now, they can't be used in other states where they might use a snowplow. Yeah. But uh, it, on these roads, it's fairly easy to see because the reflectors uh, really light up the way. Well, they, we can use them here, and some of the streets have them, but uh, not all. And it may be because we have some snow sometimes that uh, they don't use them on every street. But uh, it just, how, you know, I, how much is a gallon of paint compared to a life? Uh, I don't understand I why they can't mark them better than they do or have. You know, where I grew up, you know, you can put reflectors in the paint. Hello, um, they have a, 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 a it's a it's a it's sort of a gritty compound, almost like a mirror image. But they can mm-hmm. mix that into the paint itself and uh, make the all of the lines very reflective. And sure. um, I don't know why they don't do it and and do a better job. I uh, I really personally hate driving in the rain in this city and and you know interestingly enough it gets a little bit better when it's daylight 
but not a whole lot. It's not, you know, it's still, they're just marked very poorly. So if you're out there and you're listening, you're a classic car driver, and you happen to be with the uh, some uh, politician in the state of Georgia, how about doing something about it? And uh, by the way, I want as long as I'm on my soapbox, James, I want to do one other thing. We had uh, Pastor Jack Wright on from Paradise, California, and he delivered a, a great message on Thanksgiving Day. And um, we ask that people contribute to uh, to anyone in Paradise, and uh, particularly Jack and his wife Rhonda, uh, through GoFundMe and so forth. And I have just been absolutely blown away and want to thank everybody that went to Jack and Rhonda on GoFundMe or went to our uh, Facebook page and clicked on Contribute, and it's just been absolutely incredible, the number of people that have done it, and I just want to thank everybody that did. So with that being said, let's start the Classic Car Show, and we've got James Dunce on, and um, James is our... our, uh, like I said, I don't want to call him Phil in, but that's uh, he does pick up the slack because everybody realizes how little I know, and um, I can't do the show without uh, James or without Steve and Jim. So, uh, James, thank you for doing it today, and uh, good morning. Thank you very much, and I really do enjoy this. Good. Well, you have to to get up at this hour of the morning and, and do a show. But you also absolutely went above and beyond the call of duty and uh, sent some topics that we can talk about. One one blessing that I do have is I can read, so I can handle my end of it. And, you know, I don't know why, but I think I mentioned to you in, in one of our emails, for some reason, this, this, this fits my bill because I was always the dummy in Bridge, so I'm the dummy in the classic car show. And uh, can handle that quite well. I've been trained to be a dummy. So, with that said, you sent the topics, and uh, basically, uh, we're going to be talking about fuel and uh, fuel economy and fuel mileage. And that's something that, you know, we were talking about something else a little bit earlier. And do you think that many people? worry about it these days or is it just something that us old folks uh, grew up worrying about <laughs> no to be honest with you see i receive emails and calls from all over the country and one of the areas that uh, i get a lot of questions have to do with fuel mileage and, and also these fuel saving devices I, I get a lot of questions on those hmm. you know uh now my wife uh the only two things that she knows about fuel and economy is F and E. And when it gets too close to E, she better get it back up to F. And uh, it doesn't matter whether it's um, $2 a gallon or $10 a gallon, just uh, F and E. So I understand. You know, I, I'm glad that people are caring about it and, and looking at it. And, uh, you know, here again... Uh, I have this real problem with middlemen, uh, particularly in the pharmaceutical industry, the PBMs that uh, uh, take advantage and, and they do nothing and make a killing off of you and me. And um, also, I, I feel bad for the farmers because I am one. And uh, the middlemen that uh, do nothing other than put figures on cotton or on what or on milk or whatever it happens to be. And we have the same situation in many cases with our petroleum industry. Everybody blames all oh, those rich guys making tons on the oil. No, uh, the, a barrel of fuel is not where the cost at the pump comes from. Uh, the producer has made, I don't want to say minimum, but ha- he's not the one that's reaping the, the rewards of the price at the, at the fuel pump. So... With that being said, let's save some people some money. Well, you know, if I could share some experiences. Uh, a number of years ago, I was a parking service director for Lincoln Mercury. When I accepted the job, they handed me 14 tickets that all had to do with fuel mileage. And they were people that were complaining that their mileage was not uh, up to snuff. And each time one of these vehicles, and this, this goes 
uh, back to the technicians and what they know and how they approach things. But uh, what they were doing is every time a vehicle came in and was complaining of fuel mileage, they went ahead and put a computer in the car. And with the Ford Motor Company, this was a Lincoln Mercury dealership, the failure rate is less than 4% on computers. But uh, this is this is the approach that they took. And there's a number of things that affect mileage, and, and I get this all the time. People, I have people come to me and say that uh, the last tank of fuel I was able to go to work three and a half times, and this time I could only go three times. And uh, they, they want to know why, but there's a number of things that, that affect that. You know, first of all, city driving is one. You know, maybe the first time all the lights, uh, stoplights are green, or I'm sorry, we're red, or green, <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, this this week, uh, you hit mostly red lights. Uh, the speed, the speed at which you um, are traveling. Uh, the wrong fuel. What I mean by the wrong fuel, if you have a premium, a vehicle that requires premium fuel, and you use a lower octane fuel, uh, you'll end up with pre-ignition, which the computer picks up with a, a um, knock sensor, and it retards your spark. And what you lose when that happens, you lose your uh, performance and you lose your mileage. Uh, running with the windows down uh, creates a drag on the uh, vehicle. Uh, when you're running the air conditioning, uh, that air conditioning compressor uh, takes roughly 10 horsepower to do that. And uh, the next one, which most people don't think about, is low tire pressure. When I worked for AAA during National Car Care Month, we used to travel around the country, and we'd set up a van and we'd do free inspections. And uh, we ch- one of the things that we checked was tire pressure. Eighty percent of all the cars that came through that line had at least one or more tires that was low on air pressure. It creates a drag on the vehicle. And they say it's the number one thing that could save fuel in this country. Uh, also, dirty air filters. If you have a plug-restricted air filter, uh, outside air temperature, and then you say, well, what does that have to do with it? Did you ever notice that when you run your vehicle in the evening, when the air is cooler, it seems to run better and have more power? It's because cooler air has more oxygen in it. And uh, the last item is the amount of weight that you have in the car. Do you have extra weight in there that you don't need? Uh, these are all things that affect, uh, affect that mileage. And in the case of these 14 individuals, um, nothing was ever explained to them. And we had what we call a calibrated bottle test. We actually take a tenth of a gallon of gas, it mounts on the window, and ties into your fuel system. And you drive, and there's a, a calculation that you use to determine what you're actually getting. See, what they kept looking at is that EPA rate, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But anyway, to make a long story short, I took a customer with me. I showed them how this was done. I let them do the calculation. And in every case, they were getting decent mileage. Uh, all 14 of them. Uh, I mentioned the EPA. Uh, that EPA rating is something that you will probably never achieve. And the reason for that, and I was heavily involved with this with the Ann Arbor Test Lab up in uh, Michigan uh, through AAA, I actually got to perform some of these tests. And what they do what they do is they do them on a dynamometer. Now, the problem with a dynamometer is you have no wind load against the front of the vehicle like you do when you're driving down the road. The second thing is they had uh, a pure gas. What I mean by that, they had gas that it does not have ethanol. See, ethanol has 25% less energy than gasoline. So the more ethanol that you have in your fuel, the lower your mileage is going to be. But uh, I found that very interesting. So the, the fact uh, that people could not achieve that EPA rating was frustrating because it was never explained to them. You know, I uh, boo ethanol. <laughs> That's... Uh, that's our slogan here, boo ethanol. Uh, can't stand this stuff. It, uh, it's the worst thing that ever happened to fuel, in my opinion. But uh, you know what you're, you're saying, too? I used to, <laughs> my 348 with three deuces on it, bored and stroked, uh, I could fill it up, and then I could uh, leave the filling station. And most people don't know what a filling station is, but... Uh, <laughs> I'd leave the filling station and romp on it once, and I could see the fuel gauge go from F towards E very rapidly. But that was fun. I, that was back when uh, when the price of gasoline was thirty cents a gallon, forty cents a gallon. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's almost a dollar. And we made two dollars an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. Anyway, um, so 
do you think people are are that's the number one question that you get uh are they listening and you know it's like tire pressure um we don't have quote unquote the filling station where five guys attack your car when you pull up two of them get the tires one gets the water and one gets the oil and another one's pumping gas that that doesn't happen anymore uh and if you say check the air pressure to most women they would probably slap you and um you know it, it's people are just and it, it's a nasty thing to do if you got a little uh little of that black stuff from the brakes on there you know it's uh it's a nasty job to do to check the air pressure and like you said that's probably the biggest cause of fuel and economy well you know another area uh that i get questions on has to do with that dash mounted uh, mileage computer uh, people <laughs> misunderstand that my own wife misunderstands that she'll fill up with gas and, and it'll say distance to empty and it's about 100 miles less than it was the last time she did it. And she's thinking that there's something wrong with the car. And those computers are actually, what they do is they, they take an average over a long period of time. It's how you were driving that vehicle over the past couple hundred miles. Now, you get out on the highway, and, and as you drive, it, that thing will change. But it's not a good way to check your mileage. There's, there's, there's two different ways uh, to check mileage. One is to determine what your vehicle is capable of, and the other one is to determine what it is based on how you drive, because how you drive affects it. But I've done a number of these tests, and what, what you need to do is you need to find an area where you can drive for, let's say, 50 miles, uh, 30 to 50 miles, uh, without any interruptions. And what you do is you fill that vehicle with, with gasoline right up to the top, right up to the top of the neck. And... Uh, you're going to drive between 55 and 60. I usually do it at 60, and I use cruise control. Use cruise control, keep the windows up. Uh, if you run the air conditioning all the time, but uh, if it's not too hot outside, turn it off. Now we're going to show you what your vehicle is capable of. And you drive that 30 to 50 miles without touching the accelerator. And when you get close to the end of that, you pull into another station, and you fill it back up, you see how much you put in there, and you do the math to check what your mileage is. That's what your vehicle's capable of. The next time that you do it, you do it, and you drive the way you normally do. If you're passing cars, if you're speeding up, if you're slowing down, whatever it is that you're doing, you go ahead and do that, and that'll give you an idea of what your mileage is based on how you drive. You know, the other, the other thing is that you can take how much fuel you just put in and how many miles you've gone and, and <laughs> divide it. And, oh, my goodness, that would mean math. And if you don't have your computer there or your calculator there, you probably couldn't do it. But uh, we used to do it back in the old days, and that was Absolutely. the old days. But anyway, so much uh, for that. Uh, what, what about the, you mentioned... Uh, the kind of gas that you put in. I don't. I have a 2018 Explorer, and uh, I don't use premium gas. I use regular. But does your vehicle in that owner's manual does it say 87 octane regular gas? You know, I can't answer that. I never read it. Uh, most likely, it does because I don't know of, of what, what kind of vehicle is it. It's a 2018 Ford Explorer. Yeah, and most of those don't require any premium fuel. Uh, it's, it's, premium, it's all about compression. Uh, what most people misunderstand about octane is it has one purpose. It doesn't supercharge your gas. What it does is it prevents air fuel from igniting before the spark plug does it. That's all that it does. And I have so many people, including myself in the past, where I thought I was treating my vehicle putting premium uh, gasoline in it. And actually what I was doing is throwing my money away. Uh, if your vehicle says, either on the gas cap, on the gas door, or in the owner's manual, or on the dash, if it says that it requires premium fuel, you need to do that. If you don't, you're going to end up with this knock sensor situation to where the computer's going to pick up pre-ignition, it's going to uh, 
retard the spark to get rid of it, and you're going to lose your, your performance and your mileage. But premium fuel technically has about 1% more heat value. So technically there is a, a minute, a minute difference in mileage, but you couldn't even measure it. It, 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 is, it is that small. So, is it... How about just accepting what you get and drive on? I agree. You know, uh, or trade cars and listen to the next lie about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I heard it... I Not heard, I read this in a couple of different places, and you'd have to Google this. It says, will a clean wax car get better mileage? And my first answer was, no. No, I, I would and, agree with that because uh, the airflow around it, I, I don't think people take that into consideration that much. And if it's raining, uh, the rain would cause a drag. But if it, sure. if it if it blows off quicker because it's polished, then, yeah, I'd, I'd well, buy into that. Well, the test that I read showed that before they washed and waxed the vehicle, they got 24 miles to the gallon. After they washed and waxed it, and this is what I found hard to believe. They got 26 miles to the gallon. So there is, it must be some truth to it because I found a number of uh, different articles about it. You know, another area to remember is if you're driving, uh, if you're driving 55 miles an hour, which nobody does anymore, but if you're driving 55 and you increase to 75 miles an hour, there's a 20% uh, increase in fuel consumption. So when you get up there in speed, you're going to be consuming a lot more. Well, you know, James, you let me talk right through a break, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back with the James Dunce right after this, talking about cars, fuels, and uh, gimmicks. We'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, Consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do appreciate the listeners that uh, are making this the number one show in the in the country as far as uh, classic cars go, and uh, we appreciate it. Our numbers are fantastic. If you're interested in uh, advertising on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show or any of our shows, just uh, give me a call here at the station and or go online and uh, send me an email, david at americaswebradio.com. And also want to remind everybody that we have a store now where you can buy America's Web Radio T-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, hoodies and even uh, protectors for your for your uh, telephone. So uh, if you'd like any of that, it's a unique gift for Christmas. Just go to our website, hit shop, and uh, all sorts of stuff will come up. So we're talking with James Dunst from Florida and Bell Performance, and we're talking about fuel, and James has one that he wants to talk about. It's that stinky diesel. Yeah, diesel, uh, diesel has a, you know, gasoline, we talk about octane. In diesel, we talk about a cetane rating. And they're the opposites. You know, the, the octane, you know, prevents air fuel from igniting before the spark plug does it. What the cetane level does is it actually what ignites the fuel. Every engine has a certain cetane value that it was designed for. 
And if you have less than that, if the, if the diesel fuel that you're using has less than what the vehicle is designed for, you'll actually be losing performance and losing mileage. And a lot of times this can be seen in the form of black smoke out the back of the vehicle. And uh, you, there's, there are cetane boosters that you can buy. Well, first of all, I know in the state of Florida here that most of the diesel fuel that the uh, stations get, get uh, they get it between 40 and 45 on the cetane scale. And most engines run best when they're right around 50 to 55. So there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a lack of uh, cetane in the fuel. But you can actually purchase cetane boosters uh, to boost it up. Now, here's the thing you have to remember. Once the cetane level reaches the design level of the engine, there is no advantage beyond that. I always get the question, well, if I, if I raise it a few points, what if I, what if I raise it up to 60? And, and at that point, you, you're absolutely throwing it away because at that point, uh, whatever that design level was, all of the fuel is being consumed at that point. So there's no advantage after that. But I can tell you this. In, in every case where I recommended a cetane uh, additive, people have come back to me. And the things that I hear when it's cold is it starts better uh, when I accelerate. If you drive the vehicle constantly all the time, you know how it feels. And what they tell me is it's quicker on acceleration, which is true. And also their mileage gets better because now you're not partially burning that diesel fuel. You're completely burning it. So there is an advantage in, in using a cetane booster. And what I tell most people, they say, well, um, how do I know how much to put in there? See, cetane additives uh, are interesting because you don't have to drive a week to figure it out and see how it works. The minute the cetane increase is put into the fuel and mixed into the fuel, you will feel the difference. And what I tell people to do is you add a couple of ounces and you keep doing that until you do not feel any different. And when that happens, you're about the level you need to be. You know, I think, uh, and and please correct me, you're the expert and authority, but um, I've owned a few diesels in my life, and uh, uh, I would say a diesel owner, the one one mistake that most diesel owners will do, even over just a regular gasoline engine, is let that sucker warm up a little bit. And before you try to floorboard it or do anything with it, let your diesel engine warm up. Uh, more required than with a gas engine, correct? But it's true with both of them. Uh, you know, now what they're doing is they're using really uh, lightweight oils. Uh, years ago, we used to use, uh, you know, straight 20-weight and straight 30-weight oils. Straight 20-weight, when it's below zero, you can hardly pour it out of its container. And that has a drag on the engine when you start it. But now they're using anything from 0W20 to 5W20 in oils in that area, so you have less drag. And, but warming them up is definitely a good thing to do on, on both gas and diesel. So, I was close to right. Yeah, anyway. Sure. <laughs> okay, so we've gotten better mileage. Um, you know, and I, I, uh, I love the one, the question on the, um, the wax car. Because people don't understand it, and they don't understand what a little bit of drag will do to a car. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, well, it doesn't matter what it is. Any kind of drag will, will pull your uh, gas efficiency down. So with that, uh, I wanted to talk about yesterday, and uh, I go back many years yesterday, and all of the gimmicks and products that have been sold to make your car more efficient, uh, make it better, uh, make it make it jump higher and fly lower, and, you know, just all sorts of kinds of stuff. Everything, and, I, and the one that I really loved, and you corrected me on this yesterday, and I, but I thought it was funny as, as everything back in the years, and I guess this was back in the 60s, I think, that they came out with the toilet paper oil filter. <laughs> and, and actually, that was not a bad thing. Uh, that that did work pretty well. Of course, you had to have the, the type of canister that accepted a cartridge instead of a spin-on in order to use it. But uh, that was a that was a good accessory. And you know, they also have. Uh, speaking of that, they also have what's called a bypass filter now, and these are used on a lot of trucks and buses and bigger vehicles. 
And what it does is you have your normal oil filter, which has a micron rating somewhere between 4 and 10. And what this bypass filter does, it's a one micron filter. And what it does is it takes a small amount of oil and it bypasses it to that one micron. So it's cleaning that oil with a one micron filter uh, at the same time that the normal filter is being used. It's used on a lot of big trucks. Hmm. What we don't know. And then there was uh, the, all of the uh, oil products, all of the additive products. And uh, which ones, well, besides Bell, which ones have them worked? Or did any of them work? Well, well, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> okay. You know, well, let me, let, me, let me make this statement. I've been in the mechanical field all my life. I've used probably just about every type of additive that was, uh, that's been on the market. In most cases, it's snake oil and it doesn't work. Uh, what it does is separate you from your money uh, in most cases. Because the oils that are used now, they do have additives in them. Now, there are friction reducers and other things that can, that can help you. But... Uh, it's not uh, it's not the problem that it was but you know what i want to talk about is some of this stuff that i heard over the years when i was working on cars and there was this thing about this 100 mile per gallon carburetor <laughs> and this is this is a room when you heard it all all the different places that i worked and um people say was there such a thing and the rumor was that the oil companies bought it up and had the guy rubbed out and, and uh, so it couldn't be sold. And, and here's the fact on that. There is only so many BTUs in a gallon of gasoline. And at present technology, I forget what it is, how many BTUs per horsepower. I think it's about 2,400 BTUs per horsepower. But uh, what, they, what they did, or what do you, they tried to do, is they tried to lean the fuel mixture. When I say lean, that means you're adding more air and less fuel. Well, there is a point where it will no longer ignite, where it'll, it'll misfire. So the chances of having a 100-mile carburetor, which was very inefficient, uh, were, were impossible. But if it, were, if it were possible, if you could get 100 miles per gallon, that would be available today. And the reason I say that, with computer-controlled ignition or, or fuel injection, uh, they can control and they can keep through an oxygen sensor, they can keep the air-fuel ratio right, right at the edge of lean misfire. And even with that, even with that, they could not achieve uh, 100 miles per gallon. Most of it, most of it now is achieved by having an overdrive uh, transmission and lightening the vehicle. That's why there's a lot of aluminum used, and a lot of cars are a lot lighter. Another area. I tell you, before you get into the other area, hold that thought. We need to take another break, and we'll be back with James right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with our favorite uh, person, Mr. James Dunce, uh, bringing us fuel information today. And you were just about to say, and I'll let you have it. Yeah, before I go on to that, I want to back up a minute to you asked me about the additives. Uh, you know, Bell Performance, the company that I work for, they are the original inventor of fuel additives back in 1909. They were the uh, 
fuel additive that Henry Ford used for the Model T Ford. See, the quality of fuel back then was very poor. You had a lot of deposits, and uh, Bell, it was Bell Additives at that time provided a fuel additive to reduce those deposits. But what's interesting about Bell is their commercial-grade product, and what they concentrated on was city, county, and government fleets. They never intended to sell to the, uh, to the general public. But what's happened is the employees of those companies started using the products and realizing they work. And the reason that they work is Bell puts their money in the product, makes them stronger, uh, instead of doing all that expensive advertising. And I have found that the most advertised products do the least. But anyway, I wanted to go to one other area, uh, something that we used to hear. We used to hear about uh, this guy that invented a way to use water as fuel. Uh, because water has H2O, has hydrogen and oxygen. And technically, if you could separate the two, you have the two components that you need for fuel. And the rumor there was that the oil companies had this guy killed. Well, I don't know if that was true or not. But anyway, technically it's possible. But here's the downside. It takes more energy to separate the hydrogen and oxygen than you get from it. So it's definitely not something that, that is practical. You know, I, yeah, I'd heard of that many years ago, and uh, they were they were going to come out with it. All you had to have was a was a water hose, and fill your car up, and just put a happy face on. But you know, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's never going to happen. No, <laughs> and uh, uh, I guess there's still dreamers out there. But uh, what? What? Uh, well, let me ask this: I was always taught when I was when I first got my car that. Uh, or got a car was that um, you know stopping and starting you use more fuel doing that than you did driving or letting it run if you weren't going to just let it run for hours and hours but uh, that stopping and starting when you started your car you used a lot of fuel uh, is it better if you're in a situation where you know you're going to be there five minutes stop it and start it or let it run well, you know, there are, there are some vehicles, I, I, I've heard of this about a year ago, that actually when you come up to a stop like that, they shut off. And when you go to, to uh, take off, you step on the gas, they start back up, and you go. And the whole idea there was to save, uh, save our mileage. Uh, and as far as using more fuel when it's cold, yes, it does. Because when it's cold, it's like on the old carburetors, you had a choke, which richened up the fuel mixture. Well, on a fuel-injected vehicle... The computer keeps track of the engine temperature, and it holds the injectors open longer when the vehicle is cold and uh, to allow it to, uh, uh, to start and stay running. You know, something interesting happened to me. Uh, I was in Detroit in 1994. They had 23 below zero. It's the coldest temperature that they had ever had. And I had rented a Ford Aerostar, and this was the first time that I ever started a fuel-injected vehicle in the cold weather. Uh, before that, I'm from the state of Wisconsin, and uh, we had carburetors. And you know, with a carburetor, if you didn't get it just right, you would flood that engine, and then you'd end up pulling the spark plugs and everything to clean the fuel out of it. But anyway, at 23 below zero, I went out there, and I turned that thing over a couple of times. It started up, and I drove away. And that never happened with a carburetor. Uh, so fuel injection definitely definitely made a difference on that. We had a we had a uh, cab driver in uh, Paris that uh, exactly like you said he'd pull up to a stoplight, step on the brake, and I thought he was turning the car on and off, you know. But the car'd go off, light would turn green, and uh, he'd start the car and drive on. And I thought this this guy is nuts. And I guess it was just the car doing it automatically. Mm-hmm. And uh, but. Yeah, another area that, if I could, I'd like to talk about. Sure. When I worked for AAA, I worked for AAA for 16 years, and we had a research and development department. Everybody won AAA approval on, on different products. So there were a lot of these mileage-saving devices that were sent to us, and some of them are, are kind of a joke, but one of them that uh, I found in my desk drawer when I went there is called petrol pellets. Petrol pellets are supposed to change gasoline so that it burns better, and more efficiently so it would reduce wasted uh, fuel. What it was, it was just wax. Uh, and when you put it in when you put it in gasoline, it dissolved because wax will dissolve into gasoline. 
but in the mileage test, they did absolutely nothing. But these things come up. Every time that there's an increase in gas mileage, you'll see these things come out of the woodwork. And people are looking for some way to save mileage, so they buy them. And by the time they figure out that uh, they don't work, uh, the people selling them, they got the money and they're gone. <laughs> but <laughs> there were some other things that came up. A uh, question I got quite a bit was adding acetone to your fuel tank with that increased mileage. Well, the research that I did on that, it did show a little bit of increase in mileage. The problem with putting acetone in there, acetone has a definitely negative effect on rubber seals and, and fuel lines and so forth. So while you're getting a couple of miles per gallon, you're eating up your fuel system from the inside. So that, that, that was not a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, interestingly enough, all of these, for lack of better words, gimmicks, the first place they hit is is where you got the big fleets, the city police cars, the city vehicles, and uh, they go and, and sell that mechanic uh, on, are they, uh, I don't want to say buy that mechanic, that would be terrible, but um, they go to the, the big cities and try, and then they can say, well, all the cars in Detroit use our, you know, and uh, it's, it's, I guess they've been doing it since Henry. You bet. And uh, one Lincoln Mercury dealership I worked at in Wisconsin, this is when they had carburetors yet, uh, they had what was called, it was an under-the-carburetor fuel atomizer. And what it was, <laughs> it was it was plate, and it had two stainless steel mesh cones. And what it was supposed to do is it was supposed to break up any fuel particles that didn't vaporize and make them vaporize better. But what they did, and, and I actually installed some of these customers to come in and buy them, and uh, what they told you to do at the time is advance the timing a couple of degrees. That's in the years when you could do that. And then <laughs> trim the carburetor, adjust the carburetor. And then make sure your tires are aired up to specs. <laughs> and the bottom line on this, even without that thing, if you did those three things, you'd probably improve your mileage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said, by the time everyone figured out, wow, this thing doesn't really work, uh, they, they made their money and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, you had a you had a home run with the, with me with uh, when you start talking about advancing the timing and uh, I love the old timing light and uh, set that sucker with the timing light and uh, take your distributor and move it just a little bit and wow what a difference it would make but that was the old days I guess they're still well, teaching know. that uh, in some schools where they're working on. Uh, 60s and uh, 60 and younger cars or older cars. Well, you know, there's another thing. This is a trick that we learned that you can do with a timing light. And this would be on vehicles that still have spark plug wires. If you suspect that you have wires, see, one of the clamps, usually you put a, a two clamps on a battery and the other one goes on to a spark plug wire. Well, what you do is you go from wire to wire until you find the one that doesn't work. When you find that one that doesn't work, you just found a bad wire. Mm-hmm. So it was it was actually used as a diagnostic tool. Yeah, I you know I'd forgotten that, but yeah, <laughs> oh the good old days, but they really well, weren't. You don't like the good old days. Well, <laughs> I, you know a lot of people say, well, I wish the cars were like they used to be. I'm glad that they're not, because just like that Aerostar in in uh, Detroit, the vehicle I tried to start when it was twenty below zero didn't do so hot because they had carburetors. So. The fuel injection is definitely better. But, you know, another another little diagnostic tool uh, that people can use, if you have an engine that's a quick way to find it, you've seen these little temperature things. that you, It's a laser-operated thing where you squeeze the handle yeah. and you point it at something and read the temperature. All you do is you go along the exhaust manifold and find out where it's not so hot. When you find that spot where it's not so hot, you just found the missing cylinder. So it's a, it's a good way to uh, to do that. Hmm. With that being said, we've got to take our final break on the Classic Car Show, and uh, we hope Mr. Uh, Ronaldo and Mr. Weber are having a good time today, and we'll be back with Mr. Dunce right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. 
When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have... The top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with James Dunce uh, in today as uh, our host uh, Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber are out doing their thing. James is in doing his thing, and we certainly do appreciate him coming in. And it was a short notice, as generally it is, which is my own fault. So we're talking about fuel mileage, uh, <laughs> snake oil, and many other things today. So, James, uh, you were in the middle of telling us something. Go ahead and finish that, and then we'll, well go on to some more questions. There was another I just dropped my phone. Are you still there? Yep. We're okay. still here. Uh, another one, uh, and this is a real common one, I see it to this day, is they call it a Fuel Boss Magnetic Fuel Saver. And I've seen this thing, this done in, in several different ways. Uh, I've seen where they want to take a magnet, put it on the bottom of the fuel tank. Well, first of all, most fuel tanks now are made of plastic. They're not made. They're not made of metal, so they don't really stick to that. And that was supposed to do something to the molecules of the gasoline, so it burned more efficiently. It didn't. And then there was another device that actually clamped onto the fuel line with magnets on both sides, and it was supposed to do the same thing. But what, what the chemists have told me is there is no nothing in gasoline that is affected by magnetism. So it, it's just a scam. And there's, there's some devices out there now that uh, they use for diesel fuel. They run the fuel through it, and they have absolutely no uh, no effect on the fuel whatsoever. And uh, another one that is kind of a that I laugh about is called the Intake Vortex Cyclone Fuel Saver. Great name, but it's <laughs> supposed to improve and boost the airflow into the engine. Well, on a modern vehicle, they have what they call a mass airflow sensor. What a mass airflow sensor does, it determines how much air is coming into the engine so that the injector pulse width are adjusted accordingly. The more air that comes in, the more fuel that has to be added. And those uh, mass airflow sensors, they, they're a very simple thing. They have a wire in them, and the, the computer supplies power and heats it up to a certain temperature. The more air that comes through, the more power it has to supply to keep it at that temperature. And at, with that, the computer can calculate how much air is coming in. So really, something like this would have no effect whatsoever on it. You know, I, I guess we're a society of we hope. Gee, I hope I find the gold mine. Gee, I hope I find the additive that gives me that 100 miles a gallon. Gee, I hope I find the mechanical part that uh, will give me that 100 miles a gallon. I guess we always, uh, we're always wishing and hoping. And that way we open and, the door for people to take advantage of us. And, you know, if I can give you some, some because we're coming up towards the end here, is to give you some things that can be done uh, to improve your mileage, things that do work. Uh, there's a, a dash-mounted vacuum gauge, really. What you normally see in a car is it's a, a uh, miles-per-gallon meter. It's actually based on vacuum. The harder you step on the accelerator, the higher the, the, the uh, reading goes on it. What you're doing when you accelerate uh, hard, the vacuum drops in the engine, it's converting that to a reading. Well, what you do is you watch that and make sure that you don't put your foot into it. Uh, fuel additives. Uh, there's three components on a modern vehicle that affect your mileage when they get dirty. One is the fuel injectors. When the spray pattern gets messed up from restrictions, uh, it'll affect the miles. They have what's called an EGR valve. It's an exhaust gas recirculation valve. It has to do with the emissions. And uh, this valve is never supposed to operate when the engine's cold, wide open throttle, or at idle. And if it does, because the exhaust is building up in it, uh, carbon causing it to stick, it'll have a negative effect on mileage. And the third thing is the oxygen sensor. The O2 sensor, 
this is the most important thing in your computer system because it's what the computer uses to determine what the fuel ratio is. And if that thing is not working right, or if it's dirty and gets a buildup on it, it'll react slowly, and your mileage will drop. If you have additives, if you have an additive that will keep those clean, which Bell does, they have a Mixago and a ethanol defense additive that uh, actually keeps those clean, it'll, it'll keep your mileage where it needs to be. Uh, oil additives. Uh, most of the oil now, I said, is pretty thin. Uh, they're using like 0W20 and, and, and uh, 5W20 and oils in that area. And the, the purpose of that was in the cold climates, and when the engines are cold, that you don't have a real drag on the inside of the engine um, from the uh, thick motor oils. Synthetic oil is a big help. The reason is synthetic oils do not have the viscosity changes that regular motor oils do. So in a, in a real cold climate, it would be smart to use a, a uh, synthetic uh, oil. Uh, another area is make sure you don't have any oil leaks. Now, why would that affect fuel mileage? The oxygen sensor, which is in the back of the engine, uh, in order to, to determine oxygen in the exhaust, it has to be able to compare to oxygen outside. And if you have an oil leak where you have smoke underneath the hood, it's not going to get what it needs to make a proper reading. So the old uh, saying, garbage in on a computer, garbage out, is, is true in that case. Uh, keeping your tire pressure to specifications and use your cruise control whenever you can to where you're not going up and down on the accelerator. Those are some areas that uh, can help you with your mileage. May I add one other thing? Is Find, oh, sure. uh, find your wife a filling station where people will check the tires and the oil and the water and everything else besides filling your car up with gas. I don't think you're going to find that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, then you better do it yourself, huh? You bet. That's the only sure way to make sure it's done is to do it yourself. Uh, You know, in your opinion... Is this uh, just like, you know, just like, uh, and again, we want to honor uh, George W. H. Bush, uh, passed away last night, uh, and certainly is in our thoughts. But in your opinion, uh, James, with all the research, with all the AutoCAD, with all the technological information available, are our cars just going to continue to improve, in your opinion? I'm going to say yes, and they have they have improved. See, uh, I actually had the opportunity to manage a nationwide international auto repair competition with Chrysler and AAA and Ford, and I saw during those years because what we would do there is we would actually break these cars so that the kids could fix them, and what I saw there over the years was a definite improvement in uh, the parts and how long they lasted and. Uh, uh, a whole lot less things to go wrong. And the fact that you can now, my truck, I drive a Ford Ranger, and it's got 368,000 miles on it. It's got the original engine in it. Uh, that's a good testament to, to how well that they're made now. Uh, when I was younger, if you got 100,000 miles on a vehicle, you were doing good. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> Incredibly. Yeah. But, well, that goes back to this, this computer a fuel injection and oxygen sensor. Years ago, when you spun a vacuum leak, you had a lean condition, it was hot, it did damage to the engine, took the tension out of the rings, and it burned the valves. Now, if there's a vacuum leak, the computer will correct it by adding additional fuel. And if it can't correct it, it turns the check engine light on and you get it fixed. That's why you hardly ever see valve jobs anymore. And spark plugs, I changed them the last time that I had 52,000 miles on them. And they didn't need it. I, I wasn't uh, experiencing any miss just because they had so many miles. In my day, if you got 12,000 miles, you got a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can remember. And uh, the oil had to be changed every 3,000 miles and uh, on and on and on and on. And, uh, yeah, you could foul a plug <laughs> in no time. And the one that I really hated was spark plug wires and having to change them. Not too many of those anymore. Nope, nope. But it's uh, it's an interesting world we live in, and I I look under my hood, and I don't. 
I don't recognize anything. If somebody asked me to do something on a car, I wouldn't know where to begin other than, say, take it to a shop that has a computer uh, diagnostics. Go for it. But, you know, the advanced, if you do understand how they work, if you do have that training, they're a whole lot easier to fix now than they were. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I have they're the, not. They're not easy from access. That, i got to say, is terrible because they really stuff them in the engine compartment. But uh, as far as how to diagnose them, uh, using computer codes and so forth, they're far better than what they were. And I guess, like you said, it'll just get better, and uh, it's whether we're all still sticking around for it when it does. But uh, uh, once again, this has been a very interesting show, and I hope very helpful to those that uh, have tuned in to the Classic Car Show. And I think uh, Steve and Jim, I think, will be back next week, and uh, we're going to try to have uh, Mr. Ed Watts on from... uh, Passport Transport on with us, talking about the transport business and how it makes sense. You know, Passport was the first company in the business to enclose their trailers when they're when they are uh, taking cars to and from shows or taking them across country for delivery, whatever the case might be. But Passport was the one that uh, why expose the cars on the back of a trailer when you can cover the trailer and. And uh, then you got a rolling billboard going down the road. So we'll uh, have Mr. Watts on talking about that, I hope. We're going to try anyway. And, uh, James, I want to thank you again for being a, a gracious uh, host and uh, a very knowledgeable host as well and talking to us today about fuel mileage. Always happy to do it. Well, we're going to post this show very quickly. It'll be up uh, hopefully by Monday. And people can tune back in or listen to it at their convenience, whatever. And uh, we want to thank all the listeners and remind them, too, that they can go to our our uh, shop. And if they want to purchase a, a T-shirt, uh, a coffee mug, whatever, we got a lot of different items that uh, they can purchase for Christmas or just for the fun of purchasing it and having a, an America's Web Radio logo on it so we appreciate it and we appreciate everybody that contributed to uh, paradise california we'll be back next week on the classic car show with uh with uh, steve and jim and um, who knows who else will be on but i think it's going to be ed watts we'll see you then on america's web radio thank you james anytime thank you bye Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.